Chapter Twenty Three of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbert de Saint Amand. Translated by Elizabeth G. Martin. Chapter Twenty Three. The Lamorette Kiss Franz still had its moments of enthusiasm and illusion before plunging into the abyss of woes. It seemed under an hallucination, or suffering from a sort of vertigo, a nameless frenzy, both in good and evil, agitated and disturbed it beyond measure in 1792, that year so fertile in surprises and dramas of every kind. Strange and bizarre epic, full of love and hatred, launching itself from one extreme to the other with frightful inconsistency, now weeping with tenderness, and now howling with rage. Society resembled a drunken man who is sometimes amiable in his cups, and sometimes cruel. There were sudden halts on the road of fury, oases in the midst of scorching sands, beneath the sun whose fire consumed. But the caravan does not rest long beneath the shady trees. Quickly it resumes its course as if urged by a mysterious force and soon the terrible Simsum overwhelms and destroys it. Madame Elizabeth wrote to Madame de Régiacourt, July 8, 1792. It would need all Madame de Sévigny's eloquence to describe properly what happened yesterday, for it was certainly the most surprising thing, the most extraordinary, the greatest, the smallest, etc., etc. But, fortunately, experience may aid comprehension. In a word, here were Jacobins, Fouillons, Republicans, and Monarchists, abjuring all their discords and assembling near the tree of the Constitution and of Liberty, to promise sincerely that they will act in accordance with law and not depart from it. Luckily, August is coming, the time when, the leaves being well grown, the tree of Liberty will afford a more secure shelter. What had happened on the day before Madame Elizabeth wrote this letter? There had been a very singular session of the Legislative Assembly. In the morning, a woman named Olympe de Gage, whose mother was a dealer in second-hand clothing at Montauban, being consumed with the desire to be talked about, had caused an emphatic placard to be posted up, in which she preached concord between all parties. This placard was like a prologue to the day's session. Among the deputies there was a certain Abbé Lamorette, the constitutional bishop of Léon, who played at religious democracy. He was an ex-Lazarist who had been professor of theology at the seminary at Toul. Weary of the conventional yoke, he had left his order, and at the beginning of the revolution was the vicar-general of the diocese of Arras. He had published several works in which he sought to reconcile philosophy and religion. Mirabeau was one of his acolytes, and adopted him as his theologian in ordinary finding him fit to bishopize a gavalier, to use his own expression. The great tribune recommended him to the electors of the Rhone department. It was thus that the Abbe Lamorette became the constitutional bishop of Léon. After his consecration, he issued a pastoral instruction in such agreement with the current ideas that Mirabeau, his protector, induced the constituent assembly to have it sent as a model to every department in France. In 1792, the Abbe Lamorette was fifty years old. 
affable, unctuous, his mouth always full of pacific and gentle words. He naively preached moderation, concord, and fraternity in conversations which were like so many sermons. For several days the discussions in the assembly had been of unparalleled violence. Suspicion, hatred, rancor, wrath were unchained in a fury that bordered on delirium. Right and left emulated each other in outrages and invectives. Lafayette's appearance and the fear of a foreign invasion had disturbed all minds. The National Assembly, sitting both night and day, was like an arena of gladiators fighting without truce or pity. It was this moment which the good Abbe Lamorette chose for delivering his most touching sermon from the tribune. During the session of July 7th, Brousseau was about to ascend the tribune and propose new measures of public safety. Lamorette, getting before him, asked to be heard on a motion of order. He said that of all the means proposed for arresting the divisions which were destroying France, but one had been forgotten, and that the only one which could be efficacious. It was the union of all Frenchmen in one mind, the reconciliation of all the deputies, without exception. What was to prevent this? The only irreconcilable things are crime and virtue. What do all our mistrust and suspicions amount to? One party in the assembly attributes to the other a seditious desire to destroy the monarchy. The others attribute to their colleagues a desire to destroy constitutional equality and to establish the aristocratic government known as that of the two chambers. These are the disastrous suspicions which will divide the empire. Very well cried the abbe. Let us crush both the Republic and the two chambers. The hall rang with unanimous applause from the assembly and the galleries. From all sides came shouts of, Yes, yes, we want nothing but the Constitution. Lamorette went on. Let us swear to have but one mind, one sentiment. Let us swear to sink all our differences and become a homogeneous mass of freemen, formidable both to the spirit of anarchy and that of feudalism. The moment when foreigners see that we all desire one settled thing and that we all desire it will be the moment when liberty will triumph and France will be saved. I ask the President to put to vote this simple proposition, that those who equally abjure and execrate the Republic and the two chambers shall rise. At once, as if moved by the same impulse, the members of the Assembly rose as one man and swore enthusiastically never to permit, either by the introduction of the Republican system or by that of the two chambers, any alteration whatsoever in the Constitution. By a spontaneous movement, the members of the extreme left went towards the deputies of the right. They were received with open arms, and, in their turn, the right advanced towards the ranks of the left. All parties blended. Jaucourt and Merlon, Albitte and Mermont, Gensonnet and Calvé, Chabot and Gentil. Men who ordinarily opposed each other relentlessly could be seen sitting on the same bench. As if by miracle, the assembly chamber became the temple of concord. The moved spectators mingled their acclamations with the oaths of the deputies. According to the expressions of the moniteur, serenity and joy were on all faces an unction in every heart. M. Emery was the next speaker. 
when the assembly is reunited said he all the powers ought to be so i ask therefore that the assembly at once send the king the minutes of its proceedings by a deputation of twenty-four members the motion was adopted a few minutes later louis the fourteenth followed by the deputation and surrounded by his ministers entered the hall cries of long live the nation long live the king resounded from every side the sovereign placed himself near the president and in a voice that betrayed emotion made the following address gentlemen the spectacle most affecting to my heart is that of the reunion of all wills for the sake of the country's safety i have long desired this salutary moment my desire is accomplished the nation and the king are one each of them has the same end in view their reunion will save france the constitution should be the rallying point for all frenchmen we all ought to defend it the king will always set the example of so doing the president replied sire this is a memorable moment when all constituted authorities unite is a signal of joy to the friends of liberty and of terror to its enemies from this union will issue the force necessary to combat the tyrants combined against us it is a sure warrant of liberty after prolonged applause a great silence followed i own to you m the president presently said the complaisant louis the fourteenth that i was longing for the deputation to finish so that i might hasten to the assembly applause and cries of long live the nation long live the king redoubled what this monarch now acclaimed is the same prince against whom verignon hurled invectives a few days ago with the enthusiastic approbation of the same assembly he is the sovereign with whom the girondins thus addressed o king who doubtless have believed with lysander the tyrant that truth is no better than a lie and that men must be amused with oaths like children with rattles who have pretended to love the laws only to preserve the power that will enable you to defy them the constitution only that it may not cast you from the throne where you must remain in order to destroy it the nation only to assure the success of your perfidy by inspiring it with confidence do you think you can impose upon us to-day by hypocritical protestations what has occurred since the day when verignon uttering such words as these was frantically cheered nothing that day the weathercock pointed to anger to-day to concord why no one knows tired of hating the assembly doubtless needed an instant of relaxation violent sentiments end by wearying the souls that experience them they must rest and renew their energies in order to hate better to-morrow and why say to-morrow this very evening the quarrelling anger and fury will begin anew at half-past three louis the fourteenth left the hall of the manege in the midst of joyful applause from the assembly and the galleries during the evening session discord reappeared the following letter from the king was read i have just been handed the departmental decree which provisionally suspends the mayor and the procureur of the commune of paris 
as this decree is based on facts which personally concern me the first impulse of my heart is to beg the assembly to decide upon it does anyone believe that the assembly will have the courage to condemn petition on the twentieth of june not a bit of it it makes no decision but passes unanimously from the king's letter to the order of the day and what occurs at the clubs listen to billot at the jacobin they embrace each other at the assembly he exclaims but is the kiss of judas it is the kiss of charles the ninth extending his hand to the colony they were embracing like this while the king was preparing for flight on october sixth they were embracing like this before the massacres of Cham de mar they embrace but are the court conspiracies coming to an end have our enemies ceased their advance against our frontiers is lafayette the less a traitor and thereupon the cry broke out petition or death the next day june eighth at the assembly loud applause greeted the orator from a section who said concerning the department it openly serves the sinister projects and disastrous conspiracies of a perfidious court it is the first link in the immense chain of plots formed against the people it is an accomplice in the extravagant projects of this general who not being able to become the hero of liberty has preferred to make himself the don quixote of the court a deputy exclaimed the acclamations with which the assembly has listened to this petition authorize me to ask its publication i make an express motion to that effect and the publication was decreed o oh, poor lamorette humanitarian abbe rose-water revolutionist of what avail is your democratic holy water what have you gained by your sentimental jargon what do your dreams of evangelical philosophy and universal brotherhood amount to poor constitutional abbe people are already scoffing at your sacerdotal unction your soothing homily the very men who to please you have sworn to destroy the republic will proclaim it two and a half months later your famous reunion of parties people are already shrugging their shoulders at it calling it the bezier d'amorette la reconciliation normande the calf love kiss the pretended reconciliation they accuse you of having sold yourself to the court they ridicule they flout and they will kill you january eleventh seventeen ninety four fouquier tinville's prosecuting speech will punish you for your moderatism you will carry your head to the scaffold and optimist to the end you will say what is the guillotine only a rap on the neck end of chapter twenty three recording by joy suzanne grazier on the web at burningjoy.com